Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is sink or float, Remini. Hi there listeners, I'm Jem, and this week I'll be arguing to keep Romani afloat. And I'm Rhea, and I'll be arguing to sink Romani. So, we're back again. Sink or float? Yes. <laughs> Your favourite. It's my favourite episodes. It's been a while since we've done one. Yeah. And um, was the last one that we did Harmony? Yes, it was. So, Hermione's back in the saddle again. No break for her. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is sort of the natural progression on from Harmony to discuss Romani because they're the two biggest ones, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not the one that we've been requested the most because we have had requests for specific single float couples. By the way, listeners, if you want us to talk about specific couples, send in those requests. We'll yeah. get to them eventually. <laughs> <laughs> we promise. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of Ron hate lately and I just, I wanted to talk about Ron. Yeah. Which... Didn't help me because I ended up on the sinking side of this argument. So, <laughs> well, as you know, it's it's actually against the law in my contract to talk against Ron. So, um, I can't, <laughs> I can't possibly argue on the sinking side today. <laughs> Look, that's fair. I knew that when you signed your contract, and I signed my contract that said, um, gay shit must. Yeah, must be gay was what I was going to say. <laughs> or I was going to say can't be pro-Snape, but I was pro-Snape in an episode. The worst episode we've ever done. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough dicking around. We're continuing our single float mini-series. In these episodes, we look at popular ships in the Harry Potter fandom and argue whether they should sink or keep floating. This is the fourth single float we've done. If you haven't listened to our earlier episodes, we've talked about Wolfstar, Drowry, and Harmony, like we said. We recommend checking those out, like, unless you don't want to. There's not, like, this backstory you have to follow. Um, This time we're looking at Romaini, which is Ron and Hermione, for anyone who's not familiar with ship names. This is our first canon ship, so I'm excited to see how that shakes out. As always, this is just for fun. Everyone can ship whatever they like. No ship is better or more valid than any other. Fandom is for fun, and the only reason we do this is because it's fun. So don't get stressed if we say things that you don't like about characters that you do like. Yeah. Yeah. We probably don't believe what we're saying anyway. We're just sort of doing it to express the different opinions that people have. All right. Um, Well, to get into it, as my first position, I would just like to... Oh, wait. First, we should ask, are they straight? Hells yeah. 
Because when we look at the queer ships, we investigate the characters' identities. So it's only fair that we do that for the heterosexual ships as well. We shouldn't just assume that everybody's straight as the default. Mm -hmm. So we've brought up Hermione before on this podcast, and we've established that Hermione is attracted to men and that she even has a type, which is jocks. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) Quidditch boys. So Hermione's pretty much done. We know that she can be attracted to Ron. That is a possibility. Um, what about Ron, though? Mm -hmm. I think Ron's pretty clearly into girls. He has canon relationships with Lavender Brown and Hermione. It's interesting to have, like, the character that we're talking about in the examples from canon. That's such a refreshing take. He also asks out Fleur under the influence of her Vila powers, which is a pretty big hint that he's attracted to women. I'd also just like to say that Ron has big bi energy, though, too, because he seems to have a bit of a crush on... Hells, yeah. On Victor Crumb. And um, his mm-hmm. relationship with Harry is, like, you know, burgeoning on romantic interest, people might say. Like, you know, they're so <laughs> close. They depend on each other. Um, Ron is the thing that Harry would miss the most in the third, second task. Sorry. Like, it's, it, yeah. So I could see Ron as having bi energy. Hells, yeah. I've seen that before as mm. well. Um yeah. Yeah, those we don't want to get too deep into, you know, by Ron and whether or not Harry and Ron are into each other right now. Maybe for a future episode of Single Float. But those headcanons <laughs> seem like really valid valid to me, and they certainly don't invalidate his attraction to Hermione. So we're cool yeah. either way. I haven't seen much for whether Hermione might be attracted to girls, but if you have, hit me up, listeners, because I'm interested. <laughs> For my own personal reasons. In my own personal <laughs> headcanon, I think Hermione is sort of one of the only characters that I see as exclusively straight in my head because I just think that she's very really? sort of Yeah, honestly. Like I I, I just think that there's been so not a, sort of like no hints throughout the series that she could be interested in women. I think she's very much like she's very yeah. blatant and clear with who she's attracted to. And um I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, she's one of, like, in my head, she's one of the only definitely heterosexual characters. Everyone else is up for debate, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but, Interesting. Yeah, yeah she's, she's that yeah. token straight in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone else thinks of her differently, that's their prerogative, and that's totally valid. <laughs> yeah. We definitely have a very clear idea of how Hermione behaves when she's got a crush on someone. Like, see, you know, how she mm. reacts to Lockhart and crumb and ron like we've got a pattern of behavior and we don't really see her behaving that way around any girls but we also don't really get much insight into hermione's relationship with girls her age we know she's friends with Ginny, but because it's all harry's pov Mm. and harry doesn't like spend time in the girls dormitories (laughs) we don't really know how she interacts with other women so feel free to let your imaginations Mm. run wild who knows it's all up for grabs (laughs) yeah (laughs) But for the purposes of this debate, we know distinctly that Hermione is, intra- is attracted to men, so that's that's all right. We can continue forward discussing the potential of this relationship, whether it's good or bad. Mm. But do you think Hermione and Ron are attracted to each other? Prove it. Show you're working. <laughs> okay. Um, my first point is that great li- relationships are formed from great friendships. This is something that you and I have talked about a lot in these single float episodes. And as yeah. we know, Ron and Hermione are really good friends because they always stick up for each other. They aren't afraid to tell each other when they're being unreasonable or misguided. They get along well. They complement each other's strengths and weaknesses, and they have a lot of respect for one another. So they're good friends already, and 
their natural progression into a couple is not only very believable, but beautiful to witness. So <laughs> anything you'd like to say to counter that? <laughs> Several things. Those are so many big claims all at once. <laughs> well, Let's I'm, go. I'm, I'm definitely not going to argue that they're not friends. Like they're obviously friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the idea that they get along well is the first thing out of there that I want to just pick at. <laughs> do they get along well or do they constantly, constantly fight? I think it's the latter. So when I say they get along well, I had in brackets next to it, they complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. So by that, I mean mm-hmm. they strike a really good balance with their personalities. And in that way, they get along well in being able to solve the problems that come up ahead of them because they have very complementary personalities and abilities. And I also think that, like, yes, they do bigger, but they do get along well. Like, there are definitely parts throughout the series where Harry isn't around and we bump in on Ron and Hermione playing chess together, Ron and Hermione eating ice cream together, Ron and Hermione, they write letters to each other over the summer and they talk about meeting up with one another. Like, obviously, yeah, friends have little bickering arguments and Ron and Hermione are no exception to that. But mm-hmm. I... Like, you know, and Ron and Hermione have had some big arguments, just like Harry and Ron have had big arguments before and Harry and Hermione, etc. But ultimately, they have, like, a, a respect for one another as people that those arguments resolve themselves in a way, like, it, they eventually come to a conclusion and they become friends again. So they do get along well because they have, like, over the time as well, over throughout the series, they develop maturity to be able to get over their differences and work together mm-hmm. and respect one another. So I would say that counts as getting along well. Okay, just in terms of what you were saying in, like, you know, they have little fights and they have big fights. I've more got a problem with the fact that they seem to be constantly fighting. And it's not just everyday bickering. Like, they do bicker at each other every day, but they have big fights that last for months of silent treatment and, like, <laughs> screaming rows. Like, there's multiple times where they get into big screaming arguments with each other. But even their, like, everyday fighting, it isn't mm-hmm. light and playful. Like, they say genuinely hurtful things to each other. Ron makes Hermione cry sometimes. Hermione physically attacks Ron other times. It's not like a fun, flirty, sexual tension mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. arguing that they get into. It's like these people don't get along and they want to hurt each other's feelings sort of vibe. Yeah. I would also just like to point out that for the majority of these really big fights where they are like attacking each other, whether it's verbally or physically, they are children (laughs) and they are still emotionally developing in like their own ideas of self. And then also getting into the tricky grounds of all these hormones and relationship, like building stuff with other people. So it's like, mm-hmm. yikes, I've got to balance this as well as having a friendship with this person, but I'm also interested in them. So it's a tricky time to navigate. And yeah, yeah it's bound to go over the line every now and then. But in the end, as we see in the story, they do find a way to balance themselves. And especially in the seventh book, we see them working together in a way which we haven't seen them working together through the years prior. And it built up to that point gradually. So it was still believable though. And like, I just think that, yeah, they, they fight and that happened, but they also learned to grow and mature together. And that's a really beautiful thing to see. And mm-hmm. it's also really healthy for a way to build that relationship up from, yeah, this is, they started off not liking each other at all. And then they became <laughs> friends and then they had 
their ups and downs, but they went through it all together and they learned who they were together. So I think that's very powerful. That's a nice sentiment. It's, I'm not sure I would yeah. say that it's healthy though. It's, they're definitely, they are children and we can excuse a lot of their yeah. behavior because they're children. I'm willing to write off so much of what people do when they're kids, not when they're grown ass oh, men. Yeah. Severus Snape. Sorry, I just have to get in my Snape barb every now and then. <laughs> it just, fuck Snape, fuck Snape, fuck Snape. It just comes out of me. I can't stop it. <laughs> but it does set a troubling precedent that while they're building the foundations of their relationship, they're so often hitting these big snags that develop into, that have the potential to develop into ongoing recurring problems in their adult lives. Hmm. Ongoing recurring problems. So let's think about some of the big fights Ron Hermione had. I'd say the first big fight was mm-hmm. the Crookshank Scabbers thing. And as we know, yeah. that was resolved at the end of third year because Scabbers was revealed to be a man <laughs> in disguise. So <laughs> that fight's never going to come up again. A truly wild <laughs> conclusion to that fight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, then we have fourth year where Ron and Hermione have the fight over the Yule Ball dating situation. Okay. So mm-hmm. this fight was basically caused because Ron. Are we just, are we skimming over the Crookshanks fight? I have things to say about that. Okay. Go ahead. What do you want to say about the Crookshanks fight? Okay. I think the Crookshanks fight really demonstrates how differently Ron and Hermione approach things and how they don't... Okay, let me just start over. You said earlier that they were really compatible and complementary. Yeah. I think that can be true when they're working together because they have very different strengths and weaknesses. But when they're working in opposition, it becomes obvious how the way that they approach things so differently can lead to lots of tension and discord between them. So... Hermione is highly logical and she approaches things really rationally. Ron is highly emotional and he approaches things really intuitively. That's really obvious with Hermione's like, you know, you can't prove that Crookshanks ate scabbers and Ron's like, my pet's dead. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. When When they disagree, they are unable to see the other person's perspective and unwilling to consider or admit that their perspective might be wrong. That's the the seeds of communication problems which are going to tear them apart as adults. But here's the thing. That might be the case while the argument is going on, but when the argument has reached its uh, conclusion, they actually do see each other's side because Hermione, we definitely see this more from Hermione's perspective because Hermione's one to dole out her analysis in verbal monologues. Hermione knows how Ron thinks and what Ron is like. And so she is able to understand his perspective. It's certainly just because they've both got big Gryffindor energy that in the heat of the moment when they're both fighting, they're both so stubborn that they are are unwilling to see the other person's perspective until the fight's conclusion, which I don't think is necessarily a red flag. I mean, I think it's still fine because in the end it turns out okay because they both still respect each other. And that, and they do realize each other's differences, and that even though um, during the time the fight seemed really heated, they can look back on it and go, "Well, I know why Ron said that, or I know why Hermione did that, because this is how she was feeling, and this is what he was thinking about this situation." So, I think that they have that 
benefit of retrospect because they both know each other so well. And I just want to say that, like, I have friend a friendship like this as well. Like, I have a friend who is very similar in terms of, like, they can respond to things on an emotional level, like, a, a lot. And I respond to things on a logical level a lot. And so we do have clashes. But when we look back in it, we realize that that's why she said this and that's why I said that. It's, it's not because we were like overly vindictive. It's just because that's the way that our brains work. And I think that Ron and Hermione have that same depth of, and knowledge of one another that they can understand that too at the end that of the day. Super, so That isn't a I super it, healthy pattern for a romantic relationship though, to get into a huge screaming fight with your partner and then later be also, like, oh, but I can understand why they said that. Like you kind of need that understanding and willingness to compromise in the moment to prevent these fights from happening. Yeah. I also just want to say this is their first big fight when they're 13, so they're still developing these skills. That's fair. <laughs> so That's it's not really fair to set this as the ultimate precedent for how all their fights are going to go forever, because as we understand, this is their first major fight, which causes a big rift between them for a while. Mm. But then as they have... I know this sounds really Gryffindor, but as they have more fights throughout their relationship, <laughs> they come to understand each other better when their minds are working in different ways. Mm. So they grow through it, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Which I think is normal for friendships. And at this point as well, they're friends. Sure, maybe there's a little bit of like, oh, maybe I've got a crush, but not really at this point. I think that really starts in fourth year. Okay, so let's hear about their next big fight in fourth year. Fourth year. So this is the your ball fight where Ron is unwilling to become second best. So Ron is second best throughout his whole mm. life. He gets hand-me-downs and everything. He's compared to his brothers, all this sort of stuff. But when he realizes that Hermione's going to the Yorbal with someone else, he refuses to be second best because he really he wanted to go to the Yorbal with Hermione. I think um he was deflecting when he was brought up with the whole situation, like of oh god. I've got to ask a girl to the ball when I'm 14 and awkward and, oh, girls. But then I think deep down he knew that he wanted to take Hermione and he just sort of assumed that that was how it was going to be because he sort of just sees himself and Hermione as, you know, the natural pair Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, in, in some level. But I think he was also very worried that he would become second best and that's what happened. So he felt extremely self conscious about the situation. And Hermione, uh, felt, you know, really, very upset that she seemed as, like, an afterthought to Ron because Ron expressed that so badly. So <laughs> in this fight, it was very much Hermione did nothing wrong. In third year fight, Hermione was being a bit reductive of the situation and not understanding that, yes, Scadless had been attacked. But in this situation, Ron was very much in the wrong. So the tables are turned a bit. Um, I think mean, they were both in the wrong in the third they year. They were both like, in the wrong, but Hermione I feel probably like Ron, more so. But for the Crookshanks thing, or for the um, for the third year, thing. Ron third definitely year? was in the wrong fourth year. Oh yeah, Ron said and did stuff which was very rude. But I'm also kind of on his side in the fact that like Hermione, you should have better control of your pets. Like <laughs> Crookshanks was out for scabbers yeah. in the beginning. Like, <laughs> oh, like, if someone, if someone that I had a crush on had a pet that ate my pet, I would be very justifiably upset with them. <laughs> and then the fact that they're not And would want it. them to acknowledge <laughs> that something wrong had happened. Yeah, yeah. So that <laughs> was, apologize. That year was Hermione's turn to be in the wrong, and then fourth year it's Ron's turn to be in the wrong. <laughs> um, 
So Ron lashes out with his insecurities by kind of ruining Hermione's night by saying all these shitty things about Victor and saying that he was only interested in her to get closer to Harry, all this sort of like stuff, which is very wounding for Hermione, who's already kind of self-conscious. Okay. So this fight is probably, yeah, it's their second worst because they have three major fights in their schooling years and then they mature a lot more and they start to like look at things in a bigger picture and understand each other better. So what do you want me to say about this fight, basically? Because, like, I think it's pretty clear that this just came from a deep-rooted place of insecurity from sort of both of them, but especially Ron, and that, like, it sort of also sparked the knowledge of, between both of them that they both had a thing for each other. Like, they were sort of admitting it to themselves while they were fighting. It's like, this is mm-hmm. real. <laughs> this isn't just something that pops into my head every now and then. This is something that we've actually been unconsciously developing in our in our brains. And it's sort of a, I mean, I'm not saying that a fight is a good impetus for understanding that you're attracted to someone, but that's how it happened for them. And I mean, it's sort of created jealousy, but jealousy can kind of be a good thing in establishing that you actually do care about a person and are attracted to them and want to be with them. Like Nick Jonas in Jealous, the song. <laughs> all right (laughs) calm down gem jonas i i definitely agree that the big fight they had in fourth year was the moment that something that up until now had been like internal for them you know their unspoken yeah unspoken internal their attraction romantic feelings towards each other went from being like a private personal thing to something that exists in the real world space and has mm-hmm. consequences based on how they treat each other. So like that's a rocky time. That's a rough thing to deal with when you're 14 <laughs> and at a magic school. Yeah. And there's also a lot of other shit yeah. going on with your best friend who's like going to die. It's a stressful stuff. time. <laughs> uh, let's cut them some slack. But I don't <laughs> It feels like what you're saying is and I know this isn't what you're saying, but we're doing the debate, so let's just make arguments happen. Yeah, hit me. What you're saying is, you know, Ron's beha- Ron's feelings and his motivations excuse his behaviours, which is a very bad trope specifically for men in media. So, like, Ron, you know, he's dealing with mm. his feelings for Hermione and he feels hurt. He doesn't want to feel second best. But his behaviour during that period is appalling. He he takes her money for granted. Yeah. He's really dismissive of her feelings. He makes it seem as though it's impossible that anyone could be interested in her as a date. He's jealous. He's rude. He ruins her date. That's like, like that's really awful the way that he treats her, and that's not okay. You can't just be like, it's fine because he was yeah. young and in love. I never said it was okay. I said this is Ron's turn to be the bad person in, like, <laughs> in the wrong. <laughs> Mm. um yeah no we've discussed this before we can't excuse ron behavior in this this particular scene like but we can understand where it's coming from but that doesn't excuse it and like look i just want to say that yeah it's a tough time and it's it's inexcusable what happened what ron did but i don't think that it's grounds for saying the relationship can never work and they can never be a thing. Because I just don't think that is valid. Because, yeah, 
I mean, we've all done pretty shit things throughout our life to people that we care about. And mm. we know personally what those, what those actions were coming from. And it's just really like, obviously we have to confront the things that we've done, confront it with the person that we've hurt and move forward in a better way. Because like, we understand now that we were wrong. Like, I just think it's, it's this perfectly capable for healing and for, you know, reconciliation, especially because they're both friends <laughs> and they both have this <laughs> solid foundation of knowing who the other person is. So. I don't think it's a deal breaker is what I want to say. Okay. That's reasonable. Um, do we want to talk about the third fight in Sikthia? Yeah. Okay. So Come- in Sikthia, <laughs> in Sikthia, everyone decides to get fucking, um, and Ron gets himself. <laughs> Ron, upon being confronted that the fact that he's never kissed a girl, gets himself a very clingy girlfriend. So Ron does the thing which most of us have done at some point, where we've really liked the idea of being with someone, and then we haven't truly thought out what it actually means to be with that person, and we've made the mistake of deciding to date them at a young age. And it just keeps on going, and he doesn't know when to cut it off, because this is his first relationship. Oh, Hermione is extremely classic, jealous classic. during this time. <laughs> the yeah. mistake I mean, we've, we've all made. All done it. I've done it. <laughs> yeah, I've I've certainly done it. <laughs> I did it. Not at age sixteen, though. Um, but yeah, and so <laughs> Hermione's extremely jealous during this time, and um, she hate dates Cormac McLaggen to make Ron jealous again. Working off that jealousy that was established in the fourth year, I think this was her way mm-hmm. of trying to spark Ron to take him back to that moment so that he would realize that he actually has feelings for her. Yeah. Look (laughs) to like recreate the fourth year fight, basically not to recreate the fourth year fight, but just to be like a reminder, like, Hey, we have all this history and here I am with some other guy while you're falling around with this other girl. Look, I think they were both in the wrong Mm. here. Ron. I mean, like he was just sort of dating someone and didn't know how to break up with them, which I think we've all been in that situation. But, um, (laughs) He did. Yep. <laughs> yeah. he did do some pretty shitty things, like he mocked Hermione in class, Hermione set birds on Ron. It was a mm. bit back and forth between them both. And this is the time when they're both in the shitty zone. I think I think I think Hermione's a bit more in the shitty oh, zone yeah. here. Like she's she's acting like Ron's relationship with Lavender is disgusting. Mm. Like come like Ron didn't like Crumb, but he wasn't like, you know, it's repulsive when he touches yeah. you. <laughs> like Although to be fair, give, give them a Ron break. didn't see Hermione snogging Victor Crumb in all the hallways and in the common room and yeah. everywhere. Because Ron and Lavender yes. were attached to lips. Oh, <laughs> and we've I've definitely been in a situation where two friends are attached at the lips and you just want them to stop. Yeah. <laughs> just stop doing that in front of us constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, you know, Hermione being jealous and attacking them, physically attacking them with birds is a really big, yeah. Don't act that way, Hermione. (laughs) That was inappropriate and bad. That was her run of the Yule Ball moment, like of just inappropriate behavior that can't be excused. Look, I think all you can really say about this little period is that it did help them realize how strongly they felt about one another and that they actually really did want to get together. And it was just one of those things that happen when you've known someone for many years 
and maybe had a crush on them for many years, where it's one of those instances of wrong time, wrong place. And I think that that growing through that and getting through that together shows really sort of strong grounds for building a relationship in the future. It's like we went through that really shitty time together where we both wanted to be together, but we couldn't for whatever reasons. And so now we appreciate each other so much more. Um, I think like, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty, it's pretty normal behavior when you are really attracted to someone and you see them with someone else and, or vice versa to behave in the way that they did. Obviously we don't have the ability to send birds at someone <laughs> in this world, but you know, scathing tweets maybe <laughs> <laughs> is a comparable example, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good real life uh, yeah. translation. Look, I think, like I said before, this is a pretty shitty time. They both do pretty shitty things to each other. But like I said, this is something that they can get through together with a lot of communication. And we do see them get through it together by communicating and respecting each other once it all boils over. Okay. Do you have more to say on their fights? That's, that's, I mean, those are pretty much the three big fights that I actually count as fights. The rest of like their mm. bickering, I just count as them having different personalities or different opinions on things and, you know, bickering about it. That's, that's just what happens when you're in a relationship or when you're very close with people like friends or lovers or family. You bicker about things because not everyone's the same okay. person. <laughs> I think I'm more worried by the tone of the bickering. So it's, it's not just that it's disagreeing. It's more that it's like, you know, belittling or being dismissive or just name calling. Like there's that classic example where uh, Snape calls Hermione a know-it-all in class. Big move, professor. And Ron is mm. like, don't call Hermione a know-it-all or whatever the fuck he says. I don't remember. But the line in the book is, you know, Ron, who called Hermione a know-it-all at least once a week, stood up to argue with Snape. But like, it's not okay that Ron calls Hermione a know-it-all at least once a week. Like, it's said as, like, as if it's- oh, fuck off. As if he's defending. But don't fucking call okay, your people no. names. That's mean. Okay, shut up, know-it-all. See, this is the difference. <laughs> Snape was using know-it-all as an absolute derogatory term. He's like, fuck this child and fuck you, Hermione. You're such a know-it-all. No one cares what you think. He's using it to belittle her, to demean her, to put her down. Ron calling Hermione a know-it-all every week, that's friendly, like, friendly bullying. It's what you say to your friends, like, oh, you're such a, you're such a little bitch. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not that you actually think that. It's just, like, little name-calling amongst friends. And I'm sure that Ron calling Hermione a know-it-all, Ron knows that Hermione is so smart and he loves how smart Hermione is. And yes, it does get annoying sometimes, but he doesn't actually physically hate her for it like Snape does. It's a completely <laughs> different context. Ron calling Hermione a know-it-all is nowhere near the same as Snape calling Hermione a know-it-all. And he rightly stands up against Snape for doing that. Of course, I was never <laughs> trying to say that. No, I was never trying to say that it's in the same league as Snape doing it. I'm just saying that it's not okay that Ron's doing it at all. I think Don't belittle fine. your friends. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I don't think that he's doing it in a belittling way. The line is like, um... Ron, who called Hermione a know-it-all at least once a week, I don't think he calls her a know-it-all in the same way, in a derogatory way. It's more like Hermione says something extremely erudite and accurate, and Ron's like, are you such a know-it-all? Like, in a teasing, playful mm-hmm. way. It's not like, fuck you, Hermione, for knowing shit. Like, <laughs> it's actually, like, ad- admiring, but also, like, yeah, friendly, friendly name-calling. It's what you do with your friends. I don't think it's, like, 
an, an issue. <laughs> I don't think Hermione feels victimized right. by this. I can. I think that it goes too far sometimes, and we can agree to disagree <laughs> on this point. Maybe not in that specific example. <laughs> Ron and Hermione are unhappy when apart and often don't cope as well when they're angry at each other. So that just shows again how well they work together when they aren't fighting. I'm just like, I just want to point out that, yeah, we've talked about how they fight a lot, but when they are like, you know, in having like, you know, giving each other the cold shoulder, they aren't happy about it. It's not like, yeah, this is what he deserves. They might put on that bravado when Harry asks them about it, but you can tell that deep down they're not happy. They're missing each other. They don't want to be fighting anymore. They just want it to be resolved. So I think that also shows that the fights, even though they may be seen as like really bad and damaging for the relationship, the fact that they both feel like they want to be at peace again and they want to be together again shows that they have a lot of potential to work as a couple. I'm going to pull your classic move because usually you're the one who's arguing anti, who's arguing uh, sync in these episodes and be like, that's just because they're friends. That's a classic friendship thing to be unhappy during fights and to want to be together again. That's not specifically romantic. Yeah, but it could be to quote you (laughs) when you're often during the flight argument. Oh, how It could be interpreted as the emotions felt when you're fighting with a friend or with someone that you have a huge crush on. (laughs) I don't think that there's, I don't think that's an an argument against me in particular. (laughs) I think my argument here is more valid because in the series they actually do get together. So we know that they had latent feelings for each other throughout the series. Uh, These episodes would be so much easier if emotions were like really clear cut and not messy and weird and Mm. overlapping and (laughs) awkward. And really, the only emotions that we know in the book that, like, for, for real, that we know solidly are happening are Harry's emotions, because we get them very clearly. Other people, we don't get their perspectives, so we don't know exactly what they're feeling and thinking all the time, whereas mm. Harry, we know pretty well what he's feeling and thinking throughout the series. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. We only know Harry's perspective on what they're thinking and feeling. Mm. And Harry was very aware that Ron and Hermione had a crush on each other. <laughs> so we've got an unusual amount of insight, because... With like with other couples, like in the Wolfstar episode, I was claiming that Harry was completely oblivious to everything and we weren't seeing the full dynamic that was at play between Sirius and Lupin. With here with this, like, Harry has front row seats to Ron and Hermione's bullshit and he's seeing all of it. <laughs> yeah. Harry's sitting there with the popcorn watching it all unfold. <laughs> Will they, won't they? Will they won't they? In the splash zone. <laughs> I don't like Splash Zone, that's gross. Anyway. (laughs) Speaking Um, of how great they are as friends, I want to say that, yes, they do work really well as friends. When they're not fighting, they can be very supportive and will go to great lengths for each other. But I think that they work best as part of a trio. I think Harry, not Harry, I think Hermione and Ron function best when they've got Harry there to mediate between them and to provide them with focus and direction. With him out of the relationship, I think they're unstable. Um, I mean, we don't have, like, I don't think that's definitive in all their arguments because let's think about their arguments again. The Crookshanks argument is solved by not Harry. (laughs) Same with the Yule Ball argument. 
And same with, <laughs> oh wait, Harry sort of suggests Ron to break up with Lavender, but he doesn't when he's unconscious. So I don't know if that really counts as Harry helping Ron through that. <laughs> I mean, I just think that a lot of the time Ron and Hermione are teaming up to mitigate Harry's <laughs> bullshit. Like, they're there to sort of help Harry along <laughs> what he's going through, and they work really well to do that together. Um, yeah. I mean, but the fact that, but if Harry... Yeah, that's what okay, I mean. That, that didn't seem like what you meant. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't mean, like, Harry's there as the therapist while Ron and Hermione are on opposite sides of the couple's couch. <laughs> I mean, like, Harry's the the center of their relationship and everything that they do gets filtered through Harry and everything they're doing is focused on what's most relevant to Harry and this is because Harry's the protagonist in the book say, series yeah. but it's like called Harry Potter yeah, and Yeah of course <laughs> Yeah not Ron and Hermione have a great time and also Harry's there <laughs> Like I know that but I just mean that like so much of what they're doing during their Hogwarts time is Harry focused. And I think that if you completely remove Harry from the equation, like say once they've left Hogwarts and moved out and are living together and not seeing Harry on a daily basis, I think without the focus of, you know, we've got to deal with this Death Eater problem or we've got to find the Philosopher's Stone or whatever, the drive that keeps them working together and focused and not like relentlessly nitpicking at each other is going to be gone and they're going to fall apart. I'm saying he's the glue between them, not necessarily the therapist. Okay. My counter to that is that, first of all, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that there are plenty of instances where Harry isn't around, where we know that Ron and Hermione are hanging out and that they're getting along perfectly fine. And I just think that, you know, Ron and Hermione are the type of people, like Harry, that can't keep their noses out of other people's business. If Harry's not around and Ron and Hermione are living in some apartment together, they'll find a philosopher's stone mystery. They'll find something to keep themselves occupied. And, you know, they bicker at each other, but the bickering always fizzles out. Not necessarily, like, sometimes Harry might intervene, like, pass me the salt or something. But sometimes Harry's just sitting there in his own thoughts, listening to them bicker in the background. And it's not like, Ron and Hermione are still the next day being like, fuck you for saying this, or fuck you for saying that, not saying each other like that. Like, you know, the bickering fizzles out. It's just something they do as like <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't need Harry's presence in order to solve mm. their problems. Also, Harry still remains their friend, so <laughs> if they really if you, if your theory is correct and they really have to get Harry to be the glue between them, which I don't think is true. It's not like Harry's out of the picture now that Ron and Hermione are yeah. a couple. They're all still friends. <laughs> they just keep Harry, like, third-wheeling it in the spare bedroom of their house, so he's always around, always between them. <laughs> of course not like that, but, you know, it's canon that they remain close after Hogwarts, that they're still buddies. <laughs> mm. um, can I get on to my third point? Yeah. Ron and Hermione don't have a relationship which would result in competitive or secretive behaviours. In fact, they both balance each other and are blatantly honest with one another. So I don't see Ron or Hermione as the type to be, like, overly ambitious with, like, competing against one another. Like, I, like I could see Harry and Hermione being, like, in the Harmony episode. We talked about this. And I don't see um, Ron and Hermione as being mm -hmm. the, the type to, like, do things nefariously behind the other person's back. I think they... 
if they would they're just sort of like open with each other especially in their later years when they're not children anymore and i think that makes a solid relationship okay i i agree that they're not the kind the type to be like scheming behind each other's back and keeping secrets from each other i saw like sorry brief tangent when i was researching for this episode i saw so many claims that like ron's gonna be unfaithful to hermione and end up cheating on her and i'm like where's the fucking evidence for that (laughs) there was no there was never any like he's never been unfaithful there's any justification for it it's just like (laughs) i just hate ron and feel like that's what's gonna happen anyway that's not relevant yeah i don't feel like they'd be lying to each other and sneaking around but the idea that they don't challenge each other and they're not going to be constantly fighting maybe not necessarily competitive Competitive. sorry that was the word i was looking for the word i used the idea that they don't want to be constantly competing with each other maybe not necessarily the best because hermione is highly competitive she's very driven and focused on Mm -hmm. success and maybe it's not the best thing that ron won't be constantly challenging her that he's more laid back and lackadaisical i think it's actually good that he's like that because Hermione is, like you said, super competitive and driven and she needs someone to balance out in her life to be like, honey, please chill. Like, let's just take a moment. <laughs> let's do some wizard chess. It's good for you to lose every now and then so that you remember that you're a human and not a machine of success. Like, obviously you're, <laughs> you're a fucking successful woman and I'm so proud of you, but you need to relax. And Ron needs the same. He needs someone to be like, come on, like, you can do it. Believe in yourself. Like, you're much smarter than you give yourself credit for. So I think that they really balance out in a wonderful way. And I don't think that Hermione should get double competitiveness. She's already going on double competitiveness by herself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, It's hard to constantly hold the character of... Rhea, who believes the thing she's saying in my head when <laughs> I keep on and just be like, yeah, you're right, Jim. <laughs> no, I'm right. <laughs> I think that Ron and Hermione have character flaws, which will lead to relationship flaws. This is kind of just like half the point that I've already made and half the point that I'm going to make. So I'm just repeating myself. So Ron has <laughs> self-esteem issues that won't deal well with constantly being outshined by his high achieving partner. I get that he can be supportive of Hermione and help her to chill, but that's not going to help him not feel bad when she's like the minister for magic and he works at a joke shop. Um, Hermione is really critical, which isn't going to gel well with Ron just generally taking life much more chilled than she does. (laughs) They both get really jealous and they're prone to do things that just out of spite towards one another. They're stubborn. They hold grudges. They have communication issues. These things that we see in their childhood interactions aren't necessarily going to resolve themselves and go away before they grow into problems that will stop, that will plague their adult relationship. Okay, the cursed child can snuck off. Like, that's not necessarily what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, first of all, a lot of these things do smooth over by the time they become adults. Um, like, I don't think that they're super jealous of one another or who the other person is like interacting with come seventh yeah. book. There's a bit of a moment where uh, isn't doesn't Victor Crom try to dance with Hermione at the ball? Uh, not the ball, the wedding. But isn't 
Ron and Hermione are already dancing anyway, or something like that. Ron's pretty unhappy with the fact that Victor Crumb is attending the wedding yeah. at all. He's he's pretty jealous there. And also, like, one of the driving factors towards him leaving is that he feels like Hermione's choosing that's Harry not, over okay. him. Like, that's yeah, Horcrux influence. influence. But he's definitely yeah, jealous. Okay. So the whole Horcrux thing, I'm not going to excuse that as normal. I'm not going to say that that's normal Ron, because it's not normal Ron. It's Ron under very different circumstances, and I don't think it counts towards how Ron mm. is going to act in a Ron-Hermione relationship. It is jealous behaviour, though. Like, it's manifesting some of his deepest insecurities. I'm talking about when the Horcrux literally manifests Hermione and Harry making out in front of Ron. Yeah, it's so awkward. Um, <laughs> you know. Mm. <laughs> like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Ron has these insecurities. I just don't think that the fact that Ron would be in a relationship, is in a relationship with Hermione would make him feel insecure because one of his insecurities is that Hermione doesn't love him. <laughs> and so if he's in a relationship with Hermione, boom, insecurity mm. solved. He knows Hermione loves him. Um, <laughs> second of all, <laughs> most of his insecurities, that's a great most point. Of his insecurities are about how he like are about his um, sporting abilities are about his magical abilities and I think Hermione has never tells Ron that he's not, obviously, she doesn't really know much about sports, so he hasn't got really much to be worried about there in terms of Hermione beating him on a broom. That's not going to happen. And second of all, Hermione's never the type to be like, Ron, you're untalented with magic. <laughs> not at all. No. She's more the type to encourage him that he's actually better at magic than he gives himself credit for. And it's not like Ron has the same sort of ministry ambitions as Hermione does. Ron's more interested in becoming an aura. And so I don't really think that these insecurities that you're talking about are things that are going to be barriers in their relationship, more like points that they come across and encourage each other with. Hermione has her own insecurities as well, and Ron's perfectly aware of them because Ron's privy to more private things about Hermione that she shares with him and not with Harry. And I think that makes Ron feel, you know, extra sort of secure in his relationship with Hermione as well. So, yeah, I just think that, you know, these are things that a lot of them are mm. smoothed over when they become more mature and more adults. And these are also things that they just work through together. Like I said, like I continue saying. <laughs> <laughs> just one point there. You're like, Hermione supports Ron and doesn't tear him down. No, I can think of times when that's not true. Notably in the fifth book when... Ron becomes a prefect, but Harry's holding his badge when Hermione walks into the room and she's like, oh my god, Harry, I knew it would be you. And then she's like really like thrown off that Ron ends up actually being the prefect. And she's like, oh, like that didn't make Ron feel good. Yeah, look, that was a mistake. <laughs> if you walk into a room and you've just gotten a prefect badge and you're so excited about being a prefect and you see your best friend holding a prefect badge too, you would make the assumption. Um... Like, mm. I don't think it's her fault for making that assumption. I just, like, you know, she, from from then on when she, like, made that mistake and she's like, oh, oops, she was so super supportive of Ron being a prefect and was like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know this sounds bad in a, in a way, but she was always on his case about him being the best prefect that he could be. <laughs> like, don't call them midgets, they're children. <laughs> and, like, yeah. you are a prefect. Don't abuse your power and try and unjustly yeah. punish Slytherins. Even though because, it's tempting. Yeah. Because she knew that Ron 
she knew Ron was going to be a good leader with her because she knows Ron's a great leader. I think I've said this before, but Hermione and Ron work on their relationship in the series. Their relationship is the only romance in the series that we actually see go through thick and thin, and we know how they work as a couple. I've talked about this. Um, They both help each other deal with their insecurities. Hermione knows Ron feels that he has a lot to live up to, and so is understanding when he feels self-conscious about that. This comes up in the fourth book when Harry's like, I don't know why Ron's being such a dick to me, and Hermione's like, well, here's why, and these are the reasons, and like holds up a PowerPoint, basically. <laughs> um, Ron knows Hermione has to be right all the time, but also knows that that isn't healthy for her, and so encourages her to relax, like the playing chess thing, which I think is very cute. Ron makes an effort for Hermione. Okay, so this is important because lots of straight men in fiction and in real life don't do this for their women. <laughs> but Ron actually makes an effort in terms of yeah. like wanting, when he, when they're not officially in a relationship, he makes an effort to like woo her, let's say. He compliments her on her magical ability. He always tells her that she's like, you know, like when her opinions are very intelligent, he, um, you know, lets her know that she's doing good. Like he protects her and defends her. He all this sort of stuff. He pays attention to what she's saying to him. Like, that's just, you know, it seems very fucking low bar, but it's also better than lots of straight dudes do. So <laughs> that shows that he's actually- Like, the really basic, like, Ron yeah. getting frustrated with Hermione not being able to violate Gamp's law of elemental transfiguration, but then later in the Deathly Hallows book when someone's like, why can't we do this? And Ron's like, oh, it's because of this thing that Hermione said to me that I totally remembered and incorporated into my worldview. <laughs> Just little yeah. things like that really show that he yeah. does pay attention to he her. He does pay attention. He really respects her. That comes up in the movie too. Like, and they don't use the Gamp's law thing, but it's the Marauder's map thing. Hermione's like, where the fuck's Harry? No, mm -hmm. Ron's like, where the fuck's Harry? I can't see him on the map. And Hermione's like, there he is. And it's like, oh, but he just disappeared. Where'd he go? And Ron's like, oh, he must have gone to the room requirement. He said that last year. We couldn't see people on the map if they went in there. She's like, right. I did say that. <laughs> so they both help each other. And that moment, Ron's <laughs> like, can't see anything. Hermione's like, here's a problem solved. Hermione's like, I don't understand. Ron's like, here's a problem solved. <laughs> like, it's just very nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't hate that scene in the movies. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> I also want to point out that there's this theory of Ron and Hermione being reflective of Sirius and Remus dynamic. So um, there's this theory oh. put forth by Emily Asher Perrin on Tor.com. Rowling largely operates Harry's generation on a clear system of parallels to the previous generation, Marauders and all. Harry is his father, a quidditch star, a little pig-headed, sometimes an excellent leader. Ron is serious, snarky and fun, loyal to a fault, mired in self-doubts. Hermione is Remus, book-smart and meticulous, always level-headed, unfailingly perceptive. This goes on to talk about Ginny and Lily being compared, Neville and Peter being compared, and Draco and Severus. But um, because this theory has been put forth, if like you've argued before that Wolfstar is canon, so if you're arguing against Hermione, then that's just homophobic. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I... <laughs> Careful what you say. I <laughs> I'm frustrated by the idea that you are saying that Hermione and Ron are in a homosexual relationship. <laughs> I'm saying that they're very clearly compared to a known homosexual relationship. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Comparing something doesn't mean that it's literally the same. <laughs> Well, anyway, you've supported Remus and Sirius in the past and said that their relationship is perfect. So if, you, if you're if you going against Ron and Hermione, you're basically going against 
Sirius and Remus's relationship. <laughs> Again, no. <laughs> because I'm not going against Sirius and Remus's relationship. I'm going against Ron and Hermione's relationship, which is not literally the same. <laughs> Even though it might share certain parallels. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> Nice try, though. That was a good argument. (laughs) (laughs) Ron brings out the more impulsive, emotional side of Hermione, and this is indicative of how much she loves him. And vice versa, Hermione brings out the more logical, reason side of Ron, and this shows how much he cares and pays attention to her. We've talked a little bit about this, but I just, I really love that dynamic. I think it's such a clear indication of how well they balance each other. And that's basically all my arguments for Ron and Hermione being a couple. Being a great couple. Okay, some really solid points there. I've got a few more things that I want to bring up. Um, so like my first point that I haven't gone into somehow. <laughs> we've done like all of my argument except the very first thing I wanted to say. Just basic incompatibility. I don't think Ron and Hermione have a lot in common outside of their shared relationship with Harry and participation in his adventures. I've already said that part. Hermione is obviously very passionate about things like reading and research and learning. Um, Ron is shown to find those things boring time and time again. And some of the things that Ron is shown to love are the things that Hermione is explicitly uninterested in. Quidditch, chess, and even cooking. Once you take away Harry and move them out of Hogwarts, what are they going to spend their time doing? Okay. (laughs) Well, I think... You've just found a clear case of what they call opposites attract. What are they going to spend their time doing? How about things like Ron cooking for Hermione while Hermione cleans and organizes the house because she's a logical person that likes to keep things clean and tidy. Um, So they balance each other in that way, you know. Ron goes to watch the sport while Hermione has a quiet night reading because you don't have to spend all the time with your partner all the time. People can have different interests and still be very attracted to each other and loving and caring and supporting of each other. Let's not forget also that Ron and Hermione have so much mm. shared experience and shared trauma, which brings people so close together. <laughs> and they do share some interests. Like Hermione, <laughs> you said Hermione's not interested in Quidditch, but she goes to all the Quidditch matches to watch her boys because she cares about her boys. That's the kind of bitch she also, is. Also, she's big into Quidditch players. Big into Quidditch <laughs> players, let's be real. She may not be like, she, know, she may yeah. not know all the Ronsky feints or whatever you want to call them, but she knows her boys and she knows that she loves her boys and loves to watch them. <laughs> hmm. And you said that Ron finds Good research point. boring, but there are plenty of points out the series where Ron does a lot of fucking research. He stays up into the night reading. He may not be enjoying it a lot, but he does it still. And I think that, that shows that you know, Ron's willing to sit through things that he may not find completely enjoyable for the for the purpose of a cause, and I think also for the purpose of Hermione. Like, if Hermione was like, oh my god, there's a crazy book launch at Flourish and Blots, I don't think Ron would be like, ew, I'm not going to go with you. Like, <laughs> I don't think he would say that to her. <laughs> She'd be like, can we please go? Like, I'd love to go. He wouldn't be like, yuck, no. He would be like, yeah, sure, let's go. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I can see Ron, like, good-naturedly complaining to Harry that, like, Hermione wants to spend seven hours lining up for some history nonsense. Yeah. But I'm going to do it because I love Hermione, and I'll keep her entertained in the in the line while we wait. And who knows? It might be a good time. They might have a buffet. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ron's that kind of, yeah. that, he's the kind of optimist in that situation. 
<laughs> so I don't think this is an argument. Having different interests to someone, like, and like you said, Ron and Hermione are completely different. They're not completely different. For one thing, they're in the same house. They're both, you know, stubborn adventure seekers. <laughs> That's just part of their personality core. They both share very <laughs> similar value systems where it's like they believe in standing up for the little guy and doing brave stuff. So I don't think that they're completely different people just because they have mm. some different interests. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say they were completely different. I said they had some incompatibilities. But their incompatibilities are more surface level, yeah. like interests, yeah. reading versus Quidditch, and not like, values. oh, Muggleborns, people, should we <laughs> care for house elves? Which Ron is, is initially quite dismissive and resistant towards, mm. but comes around. Well, Ron is... Like, Ron's never, like, fuck house elves. He's always, like, happy and caring towards house elves. It's just he has some arguably right opinions about their slavery titles. <laughs> <laughs> like, he thinks mm. that house elves enjoy themselves, which they do. And, like, you know, like, I don't think that their opinions in terms of house elves are so wildly on different ends of the spectrum that they could never come to a conclusion together. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. When I was doing my episode, my research for this episode, a point that I kept getting over and over again was like Ron belittling the cause of um, SPEW and calling it spew and stuff. But the moment that always sticks out to me mm. from the whole Society for Promotion of Elfish Welfare, Ron Hermione debate, is in fifth year possibly or sixth year when Hermione is, start is knitting all of the clothes for the house elves. It's fifth year. And hiding them around the Gryffindor common room so the house elves will like pick up a set of socks or whatever and be freed against their will. And Ron yeah. doesn't stop her from doing that, but he moves all of the rubbish and litter off the clothes so that if the elves pick them up, they're doing it consciously mm. and of their own free will. Yeah. So, like, he's got the same goals yeah. as Hermione, but he's making sure that her methods are better. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's yeah. helping her. Yeah. Her methods are honourable, we should say. Yeah. yeah. Her methods are honourable and more practical, I guess. Real-world focus, because Hermione can be a bit mm -hmm. more caught up in the idea of how things are supposed to be than the practical realities of how things are. Ron keeps Hermione grounded sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't help my argument mm -hmm. at all. That's an argument pro-Hermione. Remember to focus, Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> they come from completely different worlds. How are they going to find a cohesive home slash family? I've mostly seen this in terms of Hermione comes from a muggle family and Ron comes from a wizarding family and how could they possibly ever live together and cooperate? But like, we see um, them doing that constantly in the books. So yeah, I don't know the way it happens I in the series. Think, I don't think Ron would be greatly opposed to going skiing with like Hermione's parents. I think that sounds sick. He would be like, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do it. Like, yeah, and Hermione's like <laughs> obviously very willing to accept wizarding ways of life. Yeah. Like we just see her do that constantly. Yeah. I'm more interested in this as like Hermione's very mature and independent and doesn't have so much of the nurturing emotional intelligence side, whereas Ron's very used to being the younger brother and having people watch out for him, and he can be immature and unwilling to step up. In terms of, like, how their upbringings are different, how they're different. That's what I see as the coming okay. from different worlds problem with them. Okay. Well, i just like to say that having a relationship where one of the people's an only child and the other person's a child that had siblings growing up is 
as I've been saying, a great balance. <laughs> because yes, you have one person who's grown up around other people and has had has depended on their older siblings sometimes. But let's not forget, Ron has a younger sister too. He's also had to step up and be protective of his younger sister and help her to learn things along the way. I'm sure when he was a young kid, he had to like help raise Ginny along with all the other brothers. And so I don't think that Ron's completely lacking, you know, independence. Mm. And um, also it's good for Hermione to, you know, have people do things for her that she didn't do herself. And Ron is the kind of person that would do that coming from a big bustling family where they all look out for each other. Yeah, so they all pitch in. I don't think this is an issue. <laughs> like, <laughs> and also they're adults. They're not children anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know, when you become an adult, you become more independent anyway, and, you know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Reaching. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> here's a little peek behind the curtain, listeners. Sometimes during these episodes, we say things that we don't fully believe in just to give the other person a chance to argue <laughs> against it. <laughs> because the real thing that we want in the episode is the other person's argument against it. <laughs> We just want to spite them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ray and I have what Ray would call an unhealthy relationship. Sometimes we just do things out of spite for one another, and there's no way can we can possibly reconcile this in the future. And That's we're going to end up enemies. <laughs> Sometimes I'm setting up targets that I know that you're going to smash down. Not necessarily because I want the targets there, but because I want you to smash them down. <laughs> <laughs> so it should be pretty obvious from everything that I've said is that like my argument anti Romani is not that they don't love each other or that they aren't attracted to each other or that they aren't in a relationship. They just obviously are in the canon. What I'm arguing is that they don't mm -hmm. necessarily have a good relationship and that they wouldn't last long term. Like they're each other's first loves, but they have some fundamental incompatibilities and that would have led to them breaking up like pretty quickly or else wishing that they'd broken up sooner. You're doing the JK argument. Yeah. And I'm going to say this lines up with what JK said. So I mentioned this in the Harmony episode. Look, 2014 interview with JK Rowling and Emma Watson. JK said that Hermione and Ron were wish fulfillment on her part, but wouldn't have worked out long-term. Here's the exact quote. It was a young relationship. I think the attraction itself is plausible, but the combative side of it, I'm not sure that you could have gotten over that in an adult relationship. There was too much fundamental incompatibility. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. J.K. Rowling has lost the privilege of deciding what is canon. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think a lot of what J.K. Rowling now understands about Ron Hermione comes from the Steve Clovis impregnated movies where it's all, like, mm. anti-Ron and pro-Hermione, where she's, like, this superhuman goddess that can do no wrong, and Ron is, like, this little gremlin man that lives under a bridge and, like, you know, <laughs> scratches his genitals with a crowbar. Like, <laughs> I just think it's not really fair to <laughs> draw upon the source material of JK or the movies to talk about Hermione. I also think oh, that- Oh, God forbid, Cursed Child. Fucking Cursed Child. The mess. I just think that, you know, saying that Ron and Hermione are fundamentally incompatible, I think that time and time again, we've seen that they're different people and that they get into arguments, but we've seen time and time again that they forgive each other, that they respect each other, that they love each other, and that they want to get through all these things together, side by side. And so 
I think that the fundamentally incompatible argument would have fallen apart in later years. I just don't buy it. Like, I think that they're always going to stick together and stand up for one another. And, you know, yeah, young love doesn't always work out, but sometimes it does. So I don't think you should dismiss something just because it's young love. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. there are some high school sweethearts that got together and are still married today. We know high school sweethearts that are still married today. Yeah. So like a, a lot of high school sweethearts yeah. break up and that relationship doesn't work and sometimes there are aunt and uncle and they've been married for a billion years and they have kids and they're not breaking up anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. So look, that's my opinion on that. <laughs> Good opinion. That's it. I've run out of arguments. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, in conclusion, Romani for life. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ron and Hermione together as a couple. I think that they, they work on such a really natural level. It's something that you've seen in real life. Like, the way that they treat each other, the way they talk to each other, I think it's something that's quite, like, visceral that we've seen with people that we know. I think it's, like, it's comforting. And I just, I love, I love their dynamic. I think it's really good. Yeah. I love Romani as well. (laughs) (laughs) Character break, episode's over. (laughs) They're good. OTP, love that couple. (laughs) Honestly, out of all the relationships that we see form throughout the series, so not the relationships that are already established before the series begins, the ones that we see form throughout the series, Romani is the only relationship that I completely support. (laughs) That I, like, really, really like. Wow. All the other relationships- Big claim. The only relationship. Like, in terms of romantic relationship. Um- yeah, I think in terms of all the other romantic relationships we see form, I'm like, oh, could have been better. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, so not existing romantic relationships, ones that we see form. Yeah, ones that we see happen throughout the series. Okay. So, like, obviously, Arthur and Molly. And yeah, yeah, that's who I was thinking of, Arthur and Molly. Because they before the series. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So people like Bill and Fleur, Harry and Ginny. Um, who are some other people? Tonks and Lupin. Uh, yeah. You know- Those are all the relationships, right, that we see for? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, who, who knows? Who remembers? Not me. <laughs> I was shocked when you first said that, but you, you've won me over. I'm Yeah. Romani might be the only <laughs> good relationship we see for, the only one that I support 100%. I do, I do have a soft spot for Bill mm-hmm. and Fleur, though. Somebody ask us to do a sink and flow to Bill and Fleur, because I'm oh, yeah. big into them. Yeah. I like a lot of their relationship, but I also think, you know, Fleur and Tonks, that's where it's at. <laughs> oh, what have you done? <laughs> oh, that's excellent. <laughs> that's butch lesbian and lipstick lesbian energy. I love it. <laughs> yes. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Could have been better. Could have been better. <laughs> Um, well, I have been Jem, and I fully support Romani forever. <laughs> I have been Rhea, and my goal in this episode was to prove that you can argue pro Romani without being anti-Ron. Hints to all the yes. anti-Romani people out there. <laughs> You're only anti-Ron because you're bitter that it wasn't Harmony, and that's the tea. Boom! End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Podcast 9 and 3 Quarters. 
This show is written and edited by Rhea and Jem. You can send us an email at 9and3quarterspodcast at gmail.com, find us on Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at podcast 9and3quarters, or talk to us separately on Twitter. Rhea is at SmashMouthRhea, and me, Jem, is at Jem underscore JustJem. Please feel free to send us theories or ask us questions, and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. Our logo art is by Winged Corgi. Find more of her art at wingedcorgi.tumblr.com. This week's intro music was Ron's Speech by Alexandre Deplat, and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You hear from us again in two weeks' time. 